Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this week, we've got Max Wilson, professional walleye tournament angler, back on the show. Most of you, whether you heard a past episode or not, uh, are well aware of who Max is, especially in the walleye world. But, you know, that being said, really appreciate getting time with Max. And it's not very easy. He's a very busy guy. And this interview is no different. Max is driving down the road from one one fishing trip uh, on to the next one. So, uh, you know, just really, really appreciate that time. And the topics in this conversation with Max is really, really fun because Max has a ton of passion just in general for walleye fishing, and it's very contagious. And I just, I really appreciate all the positive energy. But so, there are some fishing uh, experiences that Max has that he's really extra passionate about. And this is one of them a very well known, a popular spring river big fish destination every year every spring is the fox river if you pay attention to walleye fishing whatsoever you know especially on youtube you watch any tv programming like you know tournaments the fox river is just a really popular place every spring and i haven't done a really in-depth show with anybody up until this point and so max is gonna be my guy and he gives the whole gamut he so much great information on what to expect and how to treat the Fox River and all the different conditions that uh, you're probably going to run into over the course of a spring fishing season there, and just what to do to get bit on the Fox River, and what is, you know, just just why he's so passionate about the Fox River. I think is just really really fun thing to listen to in this interview. So, anyways, yeah, Max driving down the road, having a conversation about the Fox River, and uh, yeah, couldn't appreciate the time anymore uh, with Max. So let's get into this interview, Fox River. Max Wilson, let's do it. Uh, I want this show to be a little bit more specific. I've got some ideas written down here. You're a Wisconsin native, and I realized that I've never really had an in-depth show on you know some of that uh, some of that early river fishing that happens over in Wisconsin. More specifically, I don't have a show that really depicts the Fox River. Very popular topic. There's a, a lot of tournaments there in the spring. It's just like it's one of those um, you know it's just one of those destination fisheries that uh, you know is really rich in tradition and and it's uh, fishing really well right now. And so I wanted to have you on as a guest to to be my Fox River spring fox river episode guy and um so that being said i haven't really i don't really have any experience out there i i have i don't really know exactly what's going on out there so it's i'm really just going to hand this over to you and um have you talk a little bit about you know some of your history out there what it's like to fish it and and just some of the key topics of conversation that somebody should be listening to or paying attention to if they're thinking about going out there or learning a little bit something about this topic man uh so hopefully you're okay with that uh fox river man what uh where can we start where should we be starting here in this conversation man that's that's uh you know there's so many different things about the fox river and i it holds such a special place in my heart you know a lot of people they dislike the fox for many different reasons. They, you know, the crowd, the, you know, uh, how easy it is sometimes. But for me, I wouldn't be the fisherman I am today without the fox river. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough. I spend six to seven days a week on the fox river come springtime, uh, and then even in the fall, there's an awesome fight out there that I spend a ton of time on. And really, the fox river is my playground for dialing in different techniques that I use all over the country, you know, that's my, that's my testing tank, you know, and 
and the Fox River is so cool because it's it's the major uh, it's it's the biggest spawning tributary off of the Bay of Green Bay. That's where the majority of fish go to spawn. Uh, you know, especially in Lower Green Bay, there's such a healthy population of fish in in the bay that you have all these fish pushing into the river. It creates this uh, amazing opportunity to catch a ton of fish. You know, it's it really realistically the Fox River, the fishable area of the Fox River is only about four and a half to five miles long. It's not it's not a large chunk of river, but there's just so much fish jam packed in there. It's so cool because you can go to the Fox River and you can do anything and catch fish. And you can catch fish just about anywhere. I've caught them all the way in six inches of water, all the way down to 40-foot poles, you know. So it's it's very cool. It has its own little nuances about it, you know. And it's, for me, it's it's the signal of the beginning of the year. You know, I, I, I never get tired of the Fox River because it, it's it's so much more than just, you know, going out and catching fish. It's you know, I'm seeing my buddies for the first time that I haven't seen all winter. You know, fishing is a is a family. You know, this the fishing community. You become a tight knit community, and the Fox River Run is like the signal to the start of the year. You know, we survived. We survived winter. We survived ice fishing, uh, and you go here, and it's just it's so cool to me because you you go out in the Fox River, you see boats like mine, wrapped tournament boats that have every piece of technology on it. So you see guys on literal skiffs or, you know, I've seen guys on paddle boards out there fishing. You know, every type of boat is out there and accessible to everybody. And it just allows everybody to go out and catch these walleye. Um, and it, it's super cool because there's, there's so many different, like, subdivisions within the river. You know, you have your main channel and you have, like, a populace of fish that live in the main channel where you can go vertical jig and work on your, you know, vertical jig with minnows. You know, if you want to go cast blade baits or ripping wraps or, you know, you want to work on plastics, you want to target shallow fish that are up sunning themselves, you can go do that. And it's all within 150 yards of you, you know. So the, the Fox River is just, it's a really unique, um, unique body of water. You know, it's it's just, I, I don't know, I can't say enough cool things about it just because it, it, it to me, yeah, it, it gets frustrating because you have so many people out there on some days, you know, it's. You know, there's some pictures where you'll drive over the, the main bridge that goes over the river and you'll look up, up river and you'll see a thousand boats in a three mile stretch. And there's days where it gets frustrating because you get people that don't know what they're, you know, it, it might be the only time that they go walleye fishing that time of year. Or you get people that it's their first time out in a boat or it's one of the only times that they take the boat out. So you get people that will run over your lines or you get people that, come and spot lock where you were catching fish, you know, but the second you accept, I always tell people the second you accept the Fox river for what it is and you just stop, you just like someone does something dumb to you. It's like, okay, whatever, move on. It's just so cool because you can catch so many fish. You know, I was, uh, it's not uncommon to go out there and have a hundred fish days when the fight's good and you can catch anywhere from little 14 inches all the way up to, you know, 10, 11 pounders when they're free spawn. So, it's just something that's that's really cool, you know, in a lot of different ways to fish them out there. Like, when do you, what part of the calendar year are you looking to kind of be getting out there uh, each year? Like, like what is kind of the time where you just start kind of 
Jones in for it and, and what are the conditions you're looking for and then when you get out there you know what are the patterns usually start off looking like and, and maybe just kind of give me that picture you know it's it's funny with the fox because each year is so different you know like the, uh, this year was our the earliest that we had ice off off the river in probably about six years uh, there was guys out fishing the fox river Oh gosh! In well, it was in January. I can't remember the exact date, but it was it was while I was at the Milwaukee. I believe it was while I was at the Milwaukee boat show, and that that was sometime end of January, mid January. The uh, it, it warmed up the river, all the ice melted off the river, everything. Um, guys were guys guys were fishing, you know. So it's actually my bad. It was beginning of either end of January, or beginning of February, and guys were out there fishing out of boats, everything. Well, then we got that big cold snap, and then it froze back up. So guys were back out ice fishing a couple days later. So you can go from fishing out of your boat to ice fishing within a few days. Um, you know. And then last year, it was, I want to say, beginning of March. I was ice fishing out there on a Friday, and by Sunday, I was boat fishing in the exact same spot I was ice fishing. And I had 20 inches of ice on Friday. So, you know, it can, it can flip really quick. Uh, but generally you're looking at that end of February, beginning of March is when it first starts off. And it's funny cause like over the years, the Fox river has a pattern, but it, it, the pattern changes each year. You know, it, it, it kind of, there's trends on the Fox river that change each year. And, you know, it, it always starts off early season. You know, I, the first day I was out on the, out on the, uh, Fox was February 19th. And we had water temps in that 32, 33 degree range of that fresh ice off. Fish are a little lethargic. Their metabolisms are still slow. You know, they're starting to warm up. And But the great thing is they're unpressured. The, the first week of the Fox River, the first couple days that ice is off, it is the most insane bite you could ever have. I mean, it's 100, 150 fish days if you really, you know, stay out all day and try and pound on them. I mean, it's, it's insane when the bite's good. Uh, and usually what that starts out as is, you know, you can throw a jig in a minnow and they're normally in the deep channels, you know, they're in that deeper water or they might be just up on the break. You know, it's the Fox river has one main river channel that goes through and then there's these like flats that come off it on either side. You come up on those breaks, you can either cast up on the break or cast down in the middle. And that's where a lot of those fish are sitting. And it's a lot of those males, uh, you know, and then. The problem with that, with that is that's before the big push happens of females. So all these males kind of get caught. They get, you know, they, they get molested. They get, you know, beat up, caught, whatever. And over time, those fish get used to the pressure, or they get smart to the pressure. The bite then gets a little bit tougher. And you're throwing, you know, that early season, you're throwing either, you know, chicken minnow or blade baits are, are like the most popular. You can throw some plastics, but generally when that water's in that 32, 33, 34, 35 degree water temps, you got to go a little bit more either super finesse or more of a reaction style. And that blade bait's great for getting those cold water fish to react. Um, and then once that water starts to warm up, you know, you get in that 36 to 39 range, that's when you start seeing your more plastics start to come into play. Uh, you know, you're throwing, uh, you know, more, you know, aggressive styles, your paddle tail air jigs, stuff like that. Uh, and then once that those waters start to stabilize, you get that higher water temps, that's when you see those fish start to slide up on those spawning flats. Because um, where these fish spawn is up at the dam. 
And so what happens is these fish come in and they sit on these flats just before um, you, you, hit the, you hit the river or you hit the dam. And what they do is they rest. They rest before they go up and do their thing. You know, they're working their way up. They're fighting the current. They're, they're going through what I call the gauntlet. They have to go through 12,000 lures to get up here. And then they get tired. So they sit on these flats. They sit and they warm themselves up on these shallow mud flats because that mud flat will hold, uh, hold heat a little bit better. So you get these fish that come up. They'll lay on, this, on these mud flats. They'll go in shallow, especially in the afternoons once that, that sun gets higher, warms that water up a little bit. And what they do is they're trying to soften their bellies up before they run up to spawn. Because when you catch them, they're pre-spawn, they're rock solid. You know, they're, they're not ready to pop. But once those fish start to get softer, they're warming up their bellies, get ready to drop their eggs. Um, that's when you start to see the little bit more reaction salivate. Then you have the actual spawn happening, which what the cool thing is, too, there's actually a really good knife bite on the fox as well. So when you have that knife bite, that's when you see guys throwing jerk baits, P10. Uh, stick baits, you know, different uh, crank baits, you know, catching these pre-spawners uh, either up at the dam or on these flats at night when they get a little more active. Then they hit the spawn, and then you have a, what I call a dead, uh, so anyways, before that, right before it hits the spawn, you have what I call the big push. And the big push is the most magical thing if you can be on the river that day, because there is a day every year uh, during the spawn, when the push happens, it gets insane. I mean, I've, I've been out there. I've been able to hit the, the push the last four years. And every day I, when I come out, I'm graphing these flats. I'm graphing everything. I can tell when the push happens. Because you have fish cycling through in different waves throughout, you know, throughout the season. You'll get a push of females that come in, fresh fish that come in from the, you know, from the actual bay. But you'll hit a point where the push happens, where the big amount of fish comes. And it's so cool to watch on side imaging because all of a sudden, it's like your graph is on demo mode. You'll go through a flat and you'll hit a school of fish that's 5,000 thick. And you're like, holy cow, that those can't be walleyes. And you'll cast into them and all of a sudden, boom, you'll pull out an 8-pound walleye. And, you know, those big females all, it seems like they, you know, the big push happens together. It's all those big females coming up because the males will live in the river. You have some big females that live residential, but early season the majority of fish are what what you're catching are small males or you know smaller females you know you get that 14 to 21 range and then a couple 21 to 24 range and maybe a random 28 here or there but when that push happens that's when you start to see those magical fish start to show up then those fish will go and have their spawn and usually when like the big majority of those fish are spawning the bite will get a little bit difficult. It'll slow down because those fish are spawning. They're thinking less of eating. Uh, you know, they're up doing their thing. You'll still catch some fish, but it's not as nearly as fast and furious as it normally is. And then once they hit post-spawn, it's game on again. Those fish come down, and they sit on these on these flats again, and what they do is they, they recuperate. They just spent, you know, all this energy and everything. They did their thing. They You know, they had their, their party up at the dam. Now they're hungry, and what they'll do is they come downriver, they go higher up in the water column, and they just basically float downriver. And then they'll sit on these flats out of the current, and they'll just recuperate. So you'll, you'll have these, you know, these different phases of the spawn, but then what happens, too, every year, or every couple years, is you'll have some sort of weather event that throws a, like a, uh, a wrench in your plants. 
You know, we've had it a couple times where that water temperature starts to get up, starts to climb, you know, the, the spawn's progressing, and then we'll get a giant snowstorm or something. And then immediately it'll warm back up and it'll melt that, that snowpack. Well, when that snowpack melts, that drops your water temperature because that snow's cold, so you have cold, fresh water coming in the river. So I've seen it where we've had, four, you know, that 40-degree temperature, and it all of a sudden plummets to, like, 35. And what that does is it pushes those fish from the from the spawning flats, from the resting flats, and it pushes them right back into the middle of the river channel. And it, it's, it's cool, but it's also difficult because everyone's fishing in this tiny little river channel. It's The main river channel is pictured like a four-lane highway. It's about that wide. So you have all these fish packed into this little area because that deeper water is the most stable water. They don't like being in that super cold, shallow flats because those shallow flats are the most volatile water taps. Fish like that stable. They don't want to get frozen out, you know, so especially in the mornings, you're starting out in that middle, middle river channel, that sun gets high and starts to warm up, that's when you start to push into, you know, your your shallow flats, you know, they're, they're going to go up and, and sun themselves and, and warm up. So every, but every year is just so different. Some years, you know, I can remember one year, the, the, best fight was trolling flicker shads down on a on a, a long it's called the 172 flat it's a two mile long flat and everybody was that was the thing to do that year everybody was doing that that was the only way to get the big fish and then all of a sudden the next year it was a rip and wrap year the only way you could get like good sized fish was you had to throw number six rip and wraps and then the next year it was a swim bait fight you know you had to drag swim baits and then the next year, it was a blade bait fight. So every year, it seems like there's a different nuance, a different uh, tactic that seems to rule the river. Um, you know, you can catch them on anything, but every year, it's a little bit different. And it's super cool to me because every year, I learn something new, and I get to try a different te- technique, and I can dial it in and really learn it because it, it's the perfect testing ground because there's just so many fish there. The JMO Podcast is sponsored by Long Haul Trucking. Long Haul's always looking for more skilled professional CDL drivers to join their team. They're a people-first company, and it shows. Their employee-owned, asset-based fleet of over 350 Conestogas is among industry leaders in pay and benefits geared towards long-term success and growth for company drivers and owner-operators. If you're a professional driver or a company that wants to ship product with the best in the business, get a hold of Long Haul at one 800 255 5153 or find them online at longhaultrucking.com. Long haul, running on the power of promises kept. Keep talking about that or any stories that you have in mind that when you look back on the last few years, you know, some of those weather events that might have happened while you were around there and maybe what it did to the conditions and maybe what you had to do as far as adjustments, um, you know, to. You know, even if it's just day-to-day conditions, like the wind changes direction and affects maybe the current flow or things like that, or water color, like like what are some of those conditions that will change on the Fox River that you pay attention to year in and year out? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so frustrating when it happens, but it happens all the time because what you'll have is the problem with the Fox is there's very little current in the river. Like it's not like a traditional river where, you know, you're – you're ripping down, you know, you can, you know, you're drifting at one mile an hour or whatever. It's, it can be a pain to vertical jig this river. Cause a lot of times you have to physically pull yourself down river to move because there's so little current some days. Um, and then the problem with that is if you get a, uh, so 
the Fox River is a little bit different from traditional rivers, right? Most rivers flow from north to south. The Fox River is one of the few rivers in the world that actually flows from south to north. Um, so if we get a strong north wind, it'll really mess up the bike because it backs that river up. You know, and which is funny because it, it, it does, you know, some people think, oh, it's north wind, back the river up, the bike's dead. I've had some of my best days ever on the river on that north, on north wind days. Like the really just terrible weather that you just don't expect to be a good bite. I've had, you know, 200 fish days on those days. And I, I think what it does is it, you know, A, it keeps a lot of the people off. Um, that pressure is a really big thing with, with these fish. But it, it also, I feel like it'll just kind of change water temperatures a little bit. You know, it pushes that warmer water around, kind of stirs up that water, excuse me, a little bit. But the other big thing that happens a lot, and it's annoying as all get up when it happens, is uh, you'll have the river turn to chocolate milk. If we get, you know, if we get a strong rainstorm down south, uh, you know, we get a couple inches of rain or whatever, not only is the river going to shoot up, but it also turns to like a, like a clay, like a clay uh, chalk, chocolate milk type color. You know, I've had it before. We had it right before a tournament last year where day, day two of the tournament, we had two to three inches of visibility, you know, where the day before we had a foot, foot and a half. You know, and when you have that, it just completely blows up anything you're doing. Your pla- the plastic game, throw that right out the window. Live bait game, throw that right out the window. Basically, the only way you'll be able to catch fish is using loud vibration style bait or, you know, rattle style baits to, you know, have those fish be able to locate what you're using. Because, you know, walleye speed off a of sight, sound, smell are the big, the biggest factors. And if they can't see it or they can't smell it, they're going to have to feel it, you know. So those that's when you have to change tactics, you know. Or, or the other thing, too, when it gets muddy like that, you have to leave the, leave the, uh, the shallow flats and go fish the main river channel. Because when you have, you know, muddy water, a lot of times it's not just, it's not the whole water column that's all messed up. It might be just the top, you know, seven or eight feet of the water column. So, you know, if it's seven to eight feet is affected, well, don't go fish seven to eight feet of water because it's, you know, it's going to be chocolatey. Those fish aren't going to see it. A lot of times you might have to get in those deeper holes where the water isn't as churned up down on the bottom where those walleyes are laying. And that, that sometimes are the only places that you'll be able to catch fish, you know. So that's happened a lot. And it's it's frustrating. But what's nice about it is it's not permanent, right? Like that river, you get rain, like, okay, well, this this is going to suck for two, three days. And then that river starts, you know, it starts to clean itself, you know, and it, that sediment starts to settle and everything. And then all of a sudden you're right back to a fresh new river and it's a whole new system within a couple of days, you know. So it, it happens all the time, you know. The different winds affect it. Um, and, and you, you, there's always fish to be caught. It's just, you, you have to basically do whole new techniques. I, I carry a lot of different things, you know, in a, in a perfect world where water clarity is perfect and you get the right wind and flow water temperature, you can go throw anything and catch fish on anything. It's, it's not hard to catch fish on the Fox river. I mean, that first day I was out, I was throwing, you know, ice fishing stuff. I was throwing, you know, jigging spoons. I was throwing hair jigs, ripping wrap, blade bait plastic minnows and everything was getting bit but once you get in those more uh trying conditions that's when you really have to start switching things up and uh you know getting more detail with the presentation to get bit i kind of want to stay on that vibe right there where in the changing conditions 
you know, when the when a bite isn't isn't the best, like it's not setting up to be the best day of the spring on the Fox River. Looking back on your career fishing it, what do you feel like has prevailed as the best, like tough day presentation? You know, I, it's funny that I'm that I'm even saying this. My friends that are listening are gonna laugh at this, but now for me, my my go to is a blade bait. Um, and the reason why it's funny was because I freaking hated blade baits forever. They were my they were my kryptonite. I mean, I. I despise blade baits because I couldn't catch fish on them. And I normally I can figure out a program, right? Like uh, normally I don't get beat by things. Like I don't let things beat me. I get mad. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna figure out how to fish you. But blade baits, I couldn't catch fish on. The only thing I could do was I could snag the heck out of fish with it. And it's like, okay, well that doesn't do me any good, you know. And everybody was that that, that was the year that the blade bait craze was was starting on the fox. Everybody was throwing blade baits. I'm over here. Still throwing my rip and wrap. I could only get bit on a rip and wrap, and I'm like, "What? This is dumb." Well, after a while, I was I realized I was I was fishing it too aggressively. You know, it, I was trying to fish it like a rip and wrap. You know, feel that really heavy aggressive rip, let it fall. Heavy aggressive rip, let it fall. With a blade bait, it, it's like a hybrid cadence, right? It's it's you know more in the wrist, and it's more of a snap pull instead of a snap. It you know I was going too aggressive. It's more of a just like a a nice paint stroke enough to feel that that and then let it fall let it fall you know and it's i'm not using the arm i'm just using my wrist and you know so that that is my all around i'll throw that all the time especially out there you know i can fish it in the middle of the channel i can fish it you know i can fish it in the shallow flat i can fish it in muddy water clean water um you know i can vertical jig it i can do anything with a blade bait which is cool um and if you jig it right you know, because a lot of people hate on blade baits because they, you know, the only time they snag a lot of fish. Honestly, if you're fishing a blade bait right, I rarely snag fish. And if I do snag a fish, it's like it swiped at it, missed it, and I got it on the side of the face type of snag. Very rarely do I like, you know, hook them, hook them in the belly or in the tail. Um, you know, and, and it's just slowing down that cadence. That one is trying true. And then if things get really, really dumb and fickle, then I'll go to the, you know, the old faithful jig in a minnow. Um, you know, I, I've had, I've had to do that a lot. Um, those are like the two that any day of the week, no matter what, I'm going to catch fish. You know, there's times where a blade bait or a, a plastic or like a moxie or a ringworm will work. Um, there's times where rip and wraps are going good, but you know, the, the biggest player for me is, is that blade bait. That's the most effective one. And it's funny that, you know, it went from being my most hated bait. Now it's it's one of my favorite baits all over all over the country. I mean, I fi- I fish it on just basically every river system out there, and I've I've made a lot of money off blade baits in the last three years, and it's it's just funny to me, like being so confident with them now because for so long I hated them so much. So it's just funny to look and see how much things have changed over the years. Yeah, but I tell you what, man, that that is actually a big piece of what I would take away and hopefully other listeners would take away from this conversation about the Fox River is really just listening to you utilize a good spring river bite as an opportunity to learn and build confidence, you know, turn a weakness into a strength. I think every angler that is is on a journey to getting better 
you know, should should take that away from this conversation, regardless if they ever fish the Fox River in their life. I mean, that is just that that sentiment in itself. I'm actually really, really glad that that you spoke on it that way. But, you know, staying on that topic. So if we pick a presentation like a blade bait for you on the Fox River, like talk to me a little bit about your setup. Is that a, you know, a braided line? Are you spending a lot of time with a light mono? Uh, What kind of rod do you like? I mean, you talk about the action and the jig stroke. What's kind of your general setup as it pertains to a blade bait when you're fishing on a tough day on the Fox River? Yeah, so I've gotten pretty picky with uh, with what I throw with blades. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've learned, you know, this, it's more of a trial by error uh, type of way I learned with this. The biggest thing is with blade baits is you want, well, we'll start with the rod. You want a rod that has a little bit of a faster tip, uh, and I like a rod that has a little more bend to it, but it has a stiff enough backbone to be able to drive the hooks home, but it's not too stiff that you're ripping the hooks out because a lot of times I'd say probably eight out of 10 bites on a blade bait. I don't feel it's all, they hit it on the fall or as I'm lifting up, they grab it. Uh, you know, so it's the lift is your hook set. Do you want a rod that's going to be able to drive those hooks home, but you want something that has enough absorption to where it's not going to rip, you know, rip the hooks completely out when you do set the hook into that fish. And then you want something that'll be able to withstand those head shakes while you're fighting the fish. Because, again, they have a one ounce, or a, a quarter ounce, three eight ounce hunk of metal in their face that, you know, it's just ripping around. And you don't, you don't want those hooks pulling out, of their, pulling out of their mouth. So, you know, for me, like the type of rod, uh, JT uh, Outdoor Products actually has my favorite, like, favorite rod that I use for both ripping wraps and uh blade baits and it's a 610 jtx it's a medium light extra fast and it's funny because they have a 7.1 and a 610 jtx and there's only three inch difference in them but they're completely different blanks of rods and different fields and that 610 is like the ultimate ultimate um you know rattle bait blade bait rod uh, and i absolutely love it and i i, I run that with uh you know it depends on where i'm fishing blade bait but you know mainly on the fox river i like that 10 to 12 pound uh braided line and i like to run a high vis because a lot of times like i said they're eating on the fall so it's a visual fight so i'm watching that i'm watching that bait fall uh you know i'm watching them thunk it on the fall i'm watching that line jump so i'm you know i'm i'm using that that high vis to be able to see it because if i'm not feeling it i want to be able to see it uh and then the biggest thing is having uh heavier fluorocarbon leaders so a lot of people they'll run uh you know if they run too light a line what happens is when you when you're fiber when you're pulling on that 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 bay you're doing the cadence a lighter line is going to absorb the shock from that so you're going to lose uh action on the bait and you're going to have a lot more uh problems with your line following up and that you'll have the same problem if you uh uh tie directly to braid so Having a heavier fluorocarbon leader because you get more like uh, uh, springiness out of a heavier fluorocarbon. So I like that 12 to 15 pound. And then the other uh, other thing too with a heavier line is a lot of times if you're fishing areas that are snaggy, right? Uh, you're fishing up at the dam. You're fishing brush piles. You know, like if I'm on Mississippi River, I'm fishing wing dam stuff like that. You know, where you have a little, you know, you have a more structure you're fishing 
you want something that has really good abrasion resistance. So, uh, you know, that heavier line build withstand the nicks, withstand the snags or whatever, and pull your blade face out. That's where you're looking at that 12, 15, 17 pound fluorocarbon. And then running that with a, with a quick change snap too is, uh, is good because you're going to get more action out of that bait than if you tie directly. If you have any fishing memory that you would like to commemorate or have questions about commemorating a fishing memory with a replica made of any fish that has ever graced your net, get in touch with Rizavi Fish Replicas owned and operated by Jamie Rizavi over in uh, New Rockford, North Dakota at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can find them online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com or find them on Facebook at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can see the pictures here at the JMO headquarters in Devil's Lake. We have some phenomenal replicas made by Jamie and his crew hanging on our walls, which we absolutely love. They look absolutely perfect, just like the fish that were reeled in that day. And every chance we get to go in and admire them and tell those stories and share those stories with each other, we absolutely do. Again, if you want, or if you have any questions about getting a fish replica made to commemorate any great trophy memory you have of fishing, Get in touch with Jamie Rizvi at Rizvi Fish Replicas. You won't be disappointed. Is color, do you ever see that there's a major color preference? Do you ever get that far down the line of like, of, uh, you know, details? Yeah, for sure. And and the biggest thing for me when I'm focusing on that stuff, it's all based on uh, water clarity. Either water, you know, water clarity is a big one. And then, uh, your overhead conditions, you know, for me, and this is my general rule of thumb, just in general, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm fishing, you know, and it's sunny out, I like, and it's a little bit clearer water. I like a more chrome based bait. You know, I, I like something with a little bit of flash to it. I like to be able to, you know, cause if that, that blade bait's coming up and it's falling or whatever, I want that flash of that bait, uh, to, to hit. And that fish is going to, you know, see that flash, the sunlight's going to hit the bait as it's falling. They're going to think, oh, wow, that's a, you know, that's a, uh, uh, you know, that's a dying shad or something, you know, where if you get, uh, if you get something, uh, you know, you get more muddier water. I like those brighter colors, something that's going to stand out a little bit more. The, the lime green, the oranges, the, you know, uh, chartreuse, those are always go-to. You know, a lot of times in rivers, fire tiger is always a, a good, uh, uh, you know, a good color. You know, anything orange, red can be good. Something that stands out in that muddy water is generally my go-to. I just change it based off of water clarity. Right on, man. Right on. Well, we've got a few minutes left, and there is a, you know, part of this conversation that I did want to dive into a little deeper. You mentioned it earlier on. We're talking about how busy the river can get, especially on the good days on the fox in the spring when, you know, everybody knows things are going, the conditions are right, you know, the forecast looks good, and the boats start to pile up. I would like to have at least a few minutes here, you know, talk a little bit about or just kind of create some awareness, I guess, maybe for the uh, casual uh, angler that might go there someday or might be thinking about going there. Like, you know, when there is a lot of people out there, what are some good etiquette pieces that, uh, you know, we should just create some awareness around what are some things you've seen some people do that you really appreciated, you know, maybe some things that you've seen people do that, you know, it kind of taught you that, well, I'm not going to do that again. I mean, maybe some stories that revolve around etiquette on a river when it's super busy. Yeah. You know, the Fox, 
like I said at the beginning, the Fox is the Fox. You know, it, it is what it is. You know, it's it, there's no secrets on the Fox. Um, you know, and he, you have a lot of people that, you know, that's the only time they fish walleyes a year, right? You, you have a lot of guys that, you know, they just go fish the Fox River. They come from far away. They hear about it on TV, whatever. You know, so, and then, like I said, you only have a four or five mile stretch that majority of the populace is fishing. So it gets crowded. You know, there's some days where there's a couple thousand boats on the river. It seems like, it seems like, you, you know, you can walk across the water and you know, that's, it sucks, but it's, it's going to happen. Um, you know, and the, like the biggest things that I see is, you know, especially, you know, especially that, that first day I was out, everybody wants to go rip around in their new boat and, or, you know, they want to take the boat out for a rip or, you know, whatever. The worst thing you can do is go half throttle through a pack of boats. You know, people think when they're going half throttle that they're, it's better than going, you know, on plane. All you're doing is sending a giant tidal wave, um, you know, and, and a lot of people, they don't, they don't quite think about it. They'll run over your other people's lines. They'll, you know, uh, there's stuff that happens on the Fox River where if it would happen anywhere else, I'd probably fight the guy. But it, it, it's the Fox River. It, it if you just accept the fact that everyone's out there, you know, just fishing, you know, and and you just go, okay, well, they ruin, you know, they're, I can't cast this spot. Well, the beautiful thing about the Fox is there's going to be fish at whatever next spot you go to, you know, and and the biggest thing is is you know go slow through the packs, go wide around people. Don't, you know, don't go full throttle through the entire pack of boats. Don't, you know, just give everyone their space, you know. And and the biggest thing is just have patience. You know, there's a lot of times where, you know, it's a dad taking his kid out for the first time. And, and the dad doesn't know what he's doing, you know. And, and he's not a normal fisherman, but his son wants to go fishing. You see that a lot out there. You see, you know, like I said, people that haven't had their boats out all winter. I had it my first day. I took my, I have a, a smaller bass boat. I've, my starting battery was bad and I didn't know it. And I, so I had to come in on the trolling motor, you know? So you, you have people that are learning their way or, you know, you have kids that are taking their dad's boat out that, you know, they just don't know, you know? So a lot of people get overly worked up, whatever. For me, I go into it knowing, okay, it's going to be a little bit of a mess. You know, you're going to, you're going to have some people do some stupid things. I more just laugh and be like, yep, I've been there. Cause everybody's been there. Right? Nobody started out fishing, knowing everything, you know? I've done so many bonehead things in my lifetime. Luckily, a lot of the bonehead things happen when there weren't people around to see. You know, a lot of a lot of times, you know, when it does happen, everyone's laughing, whatever. Just, you know, have have respect for the for the fishermen around you. You know, there's plenty of fish around for everybody. You know, just try to you know try to avoid coming in, coming in on people if you see someone by himself catching fish. But you know, there's only so much room, so fit in there, but just don't cut people off, you know, just kind of think, think about stuff before you do it. No one owns a river, uh, and there's plenty of room for everybody, but you know, for me, like I said, I, I more accepted. It's just, I like, I like it. I don't mind it as much because I, I like seeing everybody for the first time. You know, there's times where I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, I can underhand flip to another boat, but I'm sitting there BSing with the guy. Cause I haven't seen him since the last tournament in, in September, you know? So it's just, it's a good kickoff to the year. And if you, if you just accept the fact that you're going to deal with people and that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people around the Fox becomes so much more enjoyable. That is excellent, excellent stuff, man. 
And we can end it on that unless you can think of any any other good nuggets, you know, that we should be covering. But um, as far as just a good staple, you know, kind of setting the bar with this episode as far as Fox River and, and you know, in, down the road we can get way more in-depth or nuanced into certain specific things. But um, I think we've covered a lot of really great information here. So if you, if you think of anything else, go for it. Otherwise, um, I'd like to, uh, you know, we can sign this off and, you know, promote yourself, promote your stuff, man. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I mean, the, the biggest thing is, you know, if, if people are looking to, to come out and fish the fox and learn the fox, uh, you know, and, and you, you don't want to drag your boat out, I always tell people, you can go fish it yourself. Um, you know, if you want to hire me as a guide, I, I guide full time on the Fox River. I spend six, seven days a week out there. Get a hold of me. There's a lot of great different bites. What I tell people for the Fox, and one of the reasons why I love the Fox so much, is it's a place where I go to learn stuff. And the Fox River is the best place for it because it's such a target rich environment. A lot of times people want to go, you know, say, I want to go learn how to fish a blade bait, or I want to go fish, learn how to fish a, a kayak or something, whatever. They'll go to places that don't have a lot of fish, and when they don't catch fish, they get discouraged. Fox River is a really awesome place to go, you know, focus on one technique. We'll go throw that one technique. We'll get you dialed in. So now when you go to other bodies of water with not as many fish, it's a little bit harder to fish. You're going to be, you're going to have the confidence to learn it, you know, and to be able to take this and utilize it on your own. So, you know, treat the Fox River as a playground and as a training center, and you're going to get a lot more out of it than if you're just going out and catch a bunch of fish. I mean, you're just getting me so jacked up for this open water season right now with this conversation. I'm just like, that's the other thing too. Is like, don't uh, don't pass over the uh, you know the obvious of uh, just how excited everybody is in the spring for the rivers. But all right, brother, we'll talk to you. Thanks, Max. Cool, buddy. Well, you take care and uh, talk to you soon.